As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. The difference between the net operating income, debt service, and CapEx is your net operating cash flow. And then based off whatever partnership structure you have with your investors, hey, here's how much of that net operating cash flow is going to you. If you're a passive investor wanting to learn more about questions to ask sponsors in order to qualify the opportunities, in order to qualify the sponsor, in order to qualify the market that the property is in, then go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. My team and I created this site just for you so that there is a free resource available to you to learn about the questions to ask, the things to think through prior to investing in deals. So go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. It's a free resource for you that was made just for you. There needed to be a resource on apartment syndication that not only talked about each aspect of the syndication process, but how to actually do each of the things and go into it in detail. And we thought, hey, why not make it free too? That's why we launched Syndication School and Theo Hicks will go through a particular aspect of apartment syndication on today's episode and get into the details of how to do that particular thing. Enjoy this episode. And for more on apartment syndication and how to do things, go to apartmentsyndication.com or to learn more about the Apartment Syndication School, go to syndicationschool.com so you can listen to all the previous episodes. Hi, best of your listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the Syndication School series, a free resource focused on the how-tos of apartment syndication. As always, I'm your host, Theo Hicks. Each week, we air two podcast episodes that are part of a larger podcast series that focus on a specific aspect of the apartment syndication investment strategy. And for the majority of these series, we offer some sort of documents, spreadsheets, resource, template for you to download for free. All of these free documents and free syndication school series can be found at syndicationschool.com. This episode is a continuation of a series we started yesterday, or if you're listening to this in the future, the episode before this one, which is how to secure commitments from your passive investors. So in part one, which I recommend you listening to before this episode, because we are continuing off of that episode, we introduced the five step process to securing commitments from your passive investors, which is to one, create an investment summary. 
Two, email your investor database. Three, conduct a conference call or seminar. Four, follow up with your investors. And five, send the proper legal documentation. And then we also began to discuss step one, which is to create the investment summary. And we got about halfway through that. So we're going to continue and hopefully finish up going through the investment summary so that next week we can move on to part two, which is to email your investor database. So in the first episode, we went through the different parts of the investment summary. So first, we talked about the executive summary, which is like one or two pages of the actual report. And it essentially summarizes all the important information in the investment summary. And everything below that essentially goes into more detail on what's included. So we went over kind of examples of things that you're going to want to include on that. And again, we also offered you a free template to download, a free investment summary template that you can download. So everything that I'm discussing on the show is actually on that template. After the executive summary, we go into the investment highlights, which discuss things like the business plan, the interior innovation projects, your capital improvement budget, your debt summary, things like that. The third section is the property overview. So it goes through the description of the property, the interior, exterior amenities, the unit mix information, as well as the site plans. Now we're going to continue on today is starting with the financial analysis. And if you remember, I said this on the previous episode as well, investment summary is very similar to the offering memorandum structure that was created by the broker. Obviously the information is different because it's your information based off of your business plan and based off of your underwriting. But the structure is very similar, and a lot of the data that you will include on the investment summary can be pulled from the OM, like pictures, property descriptions, things like that. So the financial analysis, if you remember, you underwrote the deal with either the simplified cash flow calculator that is available for free at syndicationschool.com, or you took that simplified cash flow calculator and went ahead and customize it to your liking or using some sort of other calculator. But essentially, you want to get across the main highlights of that cash flow calculator without actually sending your investors a cash flow calculator because that's going to be a little bit overwhelming. So that's why it's ideal that your cash flow calculator has some sort of summary tab or summary page that you can easily pull information from to include in your investment summary. So again, you can really pick and choose what information you want to include Obviously, you want to focus on the important return information that's relevant to your investors. But as you'll see in our template, on the first financial analysis page, you've got three data tables. The first data table focuses on the equity returned at sale. So essentially, it goes over all of our disposition assumptions. And again, for the example that I'm looking at, we projected a exit sales cap rate of 7.5%. So based off of the exit NOI at five years and 7.5% cap rate, we went ahead and put in there our projected sales price as well as the sales price per unit. Then we included any sales expense, so closing costs, disposition fees, broker fees, things like that. And of course, we got to pay back the rest of the loans. We've got that. And then we have to give the remaining investment back to our investors, which leaves us with a gain at sale or sales proceeds. And then Based off of whatever the partnership structure is, here's how much money we expect to distribute to our investors at sale. So that's pretty important. 
The other data table is the yield projection. So, okay, remember in the executive summary, we included the cash on cash return and the in total rate of return. This yield projection data table kind of shows you where we got those numbers from. So we've got, hey, here's the net cash flow plus your net profit at sales. So here's your total net return. And then based off of your initial investment, here's what the ROI is, as well as the internal rate return. Now you want to make sure that when you're discussing these ROIs, that you distinguish whether you are including the sales profits or not including the sales profits. Because if you are doing an average annual cash and cash return, and you aren't including the sales proceeds, then it's going to be a little bit lower. But if you are including the sales proceeds, they're going to be making 100-something percent return in year five or something like that. Some, a pretty high return, like 50% return in year five, and that'll throw off your return. So make sure you either just include one and say, hey, this is not including the sales proceeds, or hey, this is including the sales proceeds. And then the last one is the operating income and cash flow statement. So as you see at the top of the data table, there is a section for the member's return on investment, so the ROI to the LPs for that year. And then it kind of just goes down and lists the profit and loss projections. So you've got your effective gross income and your operating expenses. The differences between those two are your net operating income. You've got your projected debt service and your projected CapEx reserves, lender reserves. So the difference between the net operating income, debt service, and CapEx is your net operating cash flow, and then based off whatever partnership structure you have with your investors, hey, here's how much of that net operating cash flow is going to you. It's got that for years one through five, as well as the overall total. And obviously, you're going to want that member's return on investment on that total to equal the total return on investment in your yield projection data table. If you also remember, in the executive summary, there was the sample $100,000 investment return. So in this next page, it goes into a little bit more detail on how that was calculated. So in the first row, it's got the total distributions to the members. And then it does another ROI, which should match the ROI on the previous page. And then it have got projected profits at sales, which gives you the next row a total projected return, which is the cash flow plus the sales proceeds. And then you've got your return on investment based off of the total projected return. And then at the very bottom, it kind of just says a snapshot of all of the cash flow each of those years. And then next to the table has those return percentages. So based off of the total cash flow plus the profit at sale, here's the estimated return on investment. Here's the estimated return on capital or equity investment, equity multiple. And here's the internal rate of return. And then on the next page, you'll see that there's actually a snapshot of the full pro forma. So this is essentially the summarization of your underwriting. So you've got all of your income and all of your expense line items for each year on this data table. So for rental income, you've got your gross potential rent and your loss to lease. You've got your concessions, vacancy, employee units, model units, bad debt, and other income to get to a total income. And other expenses, you've got your payroll, contract services, maintenance, advertising, admin, utilities, management fees, taxes, replacement reserves, and insurance to get you a total expense. And then the difference between the total income and the total expense is your net operating income. So for all of these that I just mentioned, if you want to learn more about how to determine what your pro forma number should be, check out the episode about how to underwrite value at apartment deals. Now, as you'll see, at the bottom of the data table, there's a bunch of small little numbers. So on rental income, is a one. On gross potential rent, there's a two. And also, lease is a three. And then below the data table, you'll see 
for number one, two, three, through there's nine on this one. It explains how you came up with those assumptions or just kind of excerpt notes on that factor. So, for example, rental income's got a one. The assumptions on this sample investment summary says, unless otherwise noted, based on T12 at 3% growth. For growth potential rent, based on rates they are achieving and growing at those same rates as renovations occur. For loss of lease, is a three. It is currently at 3.8%, but we're assuming 4.2% year one. Essentially, just you explaining how you came up with those assumptions. You don't need to do it for every single one. Just anything that's essentially different. You can kind of make universal comments. So, for example, on rental income and on expenses, it says, for income, unless otherwise noted, it's based on the T12. So, for all the ones that there's not a note next to, we base this assumption on the T12. And we're expecting everything to grow by 3% each year. For expenses, unless otherwise noted, we're assuming a 2% growth each year. And you get this pro forma information from your cash flow calculator. Now, going back one page again to the sample $100,000 investment, unless you actually have that on your cash flow calculator, you're going to actually do some additional calculations as you're in. But it's pretty simple because on your cash flow calculator, it should say, hey, here's how much money the LP will be making each year. And then based off of the investment, here's the cash and cash return. As long as you have that cash and cash return, then you can easily calculate the distribution based off of a sample $100,000 investment. So if the cash and cash return in year one is 8.9%, 8.9% times 100000 is $8,900. If the year two is 13%, then year two cash flow is $13,000. And then obviously the profit at sale is something that's outputted as well. So you can add everything together, profit at sale plus all of that cash flow gets you a number. And then you can divide that number by the initial equity investment to get a percentage and then multiply that percentage by $100,000. So the only other thing that you might want to include in the financial analysis that I didn't mention would be a debt summary. So you can put a data table about the debt terms. And again, this is repeated because you might have had it earlier in the investment summary, but this is going to be more detailed. So you want to outline overall debt structure. You want to say, okay, here's the starting loan balance. Here's how much money we have in the future for innovations. Here's the interest rates. Here's the number of interest-only months. Here's the term of the loan. Here's the amortization period. Here's the prepayment penalty. Here's the interest rate, the cap, the max interest rate we can have. Here's maybe some refinance information, some supplemental loan information, things like that. All right, so after the financial analysis section, there's a market overview. And the market overview, this is going to be very similar to the offer memorandum because you're probably going to include a lot of the same information that they included in theirs. So definitely use that as a starting point. Now, also remember that you did a pretty detailed market analysis. If you want to listen to that syndication school series, it is series number six and series number five. So you've got a lot of data. You find a lot of information about your market. So you want to obviously include that information in this investment summary, but you want to include like a bunch of data tables in here. You mostly want to have visual graphs are a lot better for the market overview. So for example, here's some things that you can include. And again, it really depends on the market, but information included, does your market appear on any top city in the nation lists? So top city for jobs, top cities for living, top schools, things like that. You can look at the status of the current business climate. So again, take a look at some business reports and see what the job growth is, what's the unemployment, what's the job diversity. Mention if the apartment community is located near any major highways or transportation hubs, like a train station or a busing route. Mention any nearby mass employment centers, 
any nearby retail centers, mention any construction that's either currently underway or coming in the near future. So is there a new retail center, a new apartment retail center being built, things like that. Mention any new businesses that have moved to the area recently. Talk about the job growth, population growth, unemployment reduction, the GDP. Really, I think it's not related to the actual apartment, but the actual surrounding market you want to include in this section. Demographic highlights, things like that. So take a look at that analysis you did back in series five and six. And then Google, for example, Dallas, Texas business news, Dallas, Texas job news. And then also looking at the OM, you should be able to come together with enough information to include. Uh, on the sample document, we actually only have one page, but you can probably include a few pages to highlight the market. And of course, you've got your rent comp and your sales comp section. So this is where you want to essentially just include your detailed rent comp data table. And again, we actually provided a free rent comp template during the series about how to underwrite value at apartment deals, which was series number 14. And so for that, you've got your first edit table of all of the rent comps that you use. So we'll include that. So you've got your subject property plus rent comps one through 10. It explains here's when they were built. Here's the address. Here's the distance from their property. And then you've got your detailed rent comp data tables that show the actual rents for all those rent comps. So you've got your one bedroom rent comps, your two bedroom rent comps, your three bedroom rent comps. So essentially just show them, hey, here are the comps that we used. Here are the rents at those comps. Here's the average rents based off of all those comps. And then we took the average rent and multiplied it by the square footage of the same unit type at our property in order to determine what our rental premiums could be. And hey, we even were more conservative and projected a rental premium below that. It could be as simple as just including a data table, or you could also have multiple pages where you actually show images of each of the properties to kind of say, hey, here's how our property is now, and then here's all of our comps. Like, look how much nicer these comps are than the subject property. Earlier in the document, you might have included a picture of a renovated unit, so your investors know, okay, well, the subject property isn't nice now, but once they perform the renovations, it's going to look exactly like this property and we're still renting at $50 below. Wow, this is a great deal. Or we can just leave it as simple as a data table. It's really up to you. And then you also will want to include some sales comps too if you want to. But the requirement is you want to include your rent comps. Because earlier you said, hey, here's my unit mix. Here's the current market rents and here's the renovated rents. Well, how did you come up with those numbers? Boom. Detailed data table that explains exactly how you came up with those numbers. Now, the... Next section that you're going to want to include in the document is going to be portfolio or case studies. So again, this is going to be either blank or pretty short if you haven't done a deal before, but at this point, you're going to want to show off your apartment experience. So obviously, if you haven't done a deal before, then you're not going to be able to include your own deals, but you might be able to include a deal from your property management company that they've done before or include a deal that your mentor has done, your consultant has done, or your loan guarantor has done. But you want to include something in the case study. So for Ashcroft, every single deal that they've done is highlighted in that section. So essentially each deal has one page. It says, hey, here's a deal, but here's kind of where we're at. Or, hey, here's a deal. We sold it. Here's how much money that we made. And again, this is to show off your apartment experience. Also... In this section or in the next section, you would include information on your team and obviously on yourself. And at this point, I believe we already made the bios for our teams, which would have been in series eight. And then obviously you have a bio for yourself that you've made for your brand. 
So you want to include that information at the end of the investment summary. And that will be included in the appendix. So I guess that's the last part of the investment summary, which is the appendix. So in there you can include information about your team and yourself. You can include a section that defines any of the terms you've used throughout the presentation. So what is accredited investor? What's cap rate? What's cash flow? What's internal rate of return? What's cash on cash return? Things like that. And that's it for the investment summary. So again, you can download the free investment summary template at syndicationschool.com or in the show notes of this episode on iTunes or if you're listening to it at joefairless.com. The majority of what I went over is in that investment summary. But again, I recommend getting your hands on a few example investment summaries. Maybe sign up to a few syndicator lists so that whenever they have a new deal, they send out their investment summaries. And you always want to be tweaking yours to make it the best it can be and making sure that you're providing all the important information because eventually you're going to be doing an investment call. And any information that's not included in that investment summary will likely come up on the call. And if it's not in the investment summary, maybe it's because you forgot or didn't even think it needed to be included and you won't have an answer. And that's not going to be good if you can't come up with an answer to an investor's question. Because if you can't, then why would they invest with you, right? It's showing that you don't necessarily know everything about that particular deal. But we'll get into more on that in a future episode in this series when we focus on how to conduct that investor call. So that's going to conclude part two. And it's going to conclude, I guess, us going over step one of the five-step process for securing investment from your passive investors, which is that investment summary. So in the next episode, we're going to move on to step two, which is how to create that email to your investor database after you've created your investment summary. Until then, I recommend listening to part one of this series, as well as the other syndication school series about the how-tos of apartment syndications. And download your free investment summary template. All that is at syndicationschool.com. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you next week. If you're a passive investor and want to learn more about Ashcroft Capital, the company I co-founded with my business partner, Frank, and in particular want to learn more about our strategy and how we think about the opportunities that we purchase, go to ashcroftcapital.com and click the strategy button above and you'll be able to read through our thought process we use when we're purchasing multifamily properties. Ever wonder how the top in real estate got there? The Invest This podcast hosted by real estate investor Scott Bauer interviews the top names in the industry, giving you the tips and tricks that help you catapult your real estate business to success. Find them at investthispodcast.com.